Hey, I'm Steve Full and welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is brought to you by WithJack. They help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. Get the freelance insurance you deserve. With monthly plans and zero cancellation fees, a WithJack policy gives you complete control over your protection. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For director and editor, Chirag Palmer. As a freelancer, you always have to adapt. So like, there's been some clients which have taken up a good part of my revenue, but I've always dug deep and found different clients to replace if that other client, say for example, hires permanent editors or permanent in-house directors or shooters. So you have to always be on top of business development and kind of make relationship with new clients. I think it's really important. Even like, for example, reaching out to five clients in a day, you know, just like find some clients that you think could be a good fit, reach out to them. You may not get a response, you may do. At least you're doing your bit to help you and your cause. And I think it's important to rejuvenate and recuperate and take some time off because, you know, obviously earning money is good, but you need time to enjoy and to unwind. And as a creative, you need time to creatively reset. Yeah, so there is Chirag. His story coming up in a moment. Funnily enough, as you're hearing this, he also worked on The Great British Bake Off. Earlier in this season, we had the illustrator from Bake Off, Tom Hovey. Very much recommend his episode if you've not heard it yet, illustrator Tom Hovey. Yeah, weirdly, uh, without me knowing it, Chirag also worked on those first series when Tom was uh, there in the editing suite. So good to hear Chirag's story. He's coming up in a moment. Don't forget to come join us at beingfreelance.com. You're not alone being freelance. Trust me, there's a community of freelancers from around the world hanging out, waiting for you right now. Just turn up at beingfreelance.com, click on the button that says community and come join us. Also, if you're new to freelance, I've finally launched a course to help you. So if you've just started or you're thinking about starting or maybe you started in the past year and you want to make sure you're doing it right then it's not just my experience I'm basically building on all of the experience of over 200 guests that I've spoken to in the way that they've done it and you can learn from them all in that one course how to get started being freelance details are at beingfreelance.com Okay, shall we crack on and hear from this week's guest? And that is freelance director and editor, Chirag Palmer. Hey, Chirag. Hi, how are you, Steve? I'm good. Thanks so much for doing this. As ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. I guess I'll take you to the early stages of my journey. I studied uh, media studies at sixth form. You know, I made my first ever films and I thought, you know, I wanted to kind of pursue a career making, making films. So from sixth form, I went on to study film and TV production at Anglia Ruskin University. From there, after three years, I fortunately found my first job back in 2009, which was uh, a job uh, as a runner, which is like an entry level role job, uh, just doing basic tasks. I was doing that for around six months. And then fortunately, I was promoted internally to uh, assistant editor in this company. And I worked on a variety of TV shows, but most notably, I worked on the early series of uh, Great British Bake Off. Ah. Yeah, from there, I was I was in this company for about a year. And I, I said to myself, you know, I want to kind of shift a little bit and get out of uh, broadcast television. And I was really interested in working in um, advertising and TV commercials. 
So I left the company I was in and I went into an advertising agency. This was around 2011, there for around five and a half years. And I grew and progressed tremendously, actually. So firstly, I was an assistant editor and then internally I was promoted uh, to become a video editor. And then the last like two, two and a half years of my time at this company, I was directing and editing it was kind of a hybrid role. So I was filming and directing and editing. Um, and in total, as I said, I was there for around five and a half years. And at that point, it was around late 2016. And I, I kind of, I loved the company. I loved the people, but I thought it was time for me to push myself and have a new challenge. And I thought freelancing would be a good fit. So um, I kind of planned a few things in advance, you know, update my website, update my showreel, signed up to kind of like a creative recruitment agency that can get you work as a video editor, just as a backup. Um, I'd set up uh, a limited company as well. I'd spoke to an accountant to do that. And that was, yeah, like the end of 2016. And that was kind of how I started my career in freelancing. And I've been freelancing ever since. So you set up as a limited company. Did you did you like trade as a company name or were you, you know, Chirag Palmer Limited, for example? Um, yeah, I mean, I've got a company name. The company name is called Palmer Pictures Limited. Obviously, it's my surname. And then Pictures, obviously... Uh, in regards to obviously making no, films. it works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and but would you trade? So, for example, I I have a company called Follenco, mm. but really most of the time I just work as Steve Folland. But when it comes for an invoice, it's on there. Did, did you like put yourself out there as Palmer Pictures or as Chirag? Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, as a freelancer, I put myself out as Chirag Palmer. My my main website is chiragpalmer.com. Obviously, on the invoices, you'll see my limited company name. But as a freelancer, yeah, of course, I mean, I just refer to myself as my name. And uh, my main body of work on my website is chiragpalmer.com. Just to back up slightly, because obviously, uh, well, not obviously, but it always seems to me anyway, that the broadcast TV, advertising, all of that, like working in film and TV, a lot of that is freelance anyway. So when you, you know, had studied and you were going for work were you ever tempted to go freelance then to be honest with you it was such an alien concept to me back in oh. um when i'd finished university so when i was at university we, we fortunately had some good lecturers one of which was like um quite senior in bbc like uh, early in his career and we obviously had really good advice and tips from him another person uh was a director of photography who's basically like a, the most senior cameraman that you can get is, is that's what director photography is um and he was active as a freelancer in in making tv commercials and music videos and all sorts but from my point of view like he they'd given us some advice they said a lot of the tv companies a lot of the ad agencies and things like that are based in london in soho um especially from a london point of view a lot of those companies are based in and around soho and around those areas so i was i just went out back in the day when we were handing out physical CVs and things like that. And I went around the Dean Street and Wardour Street and Poland Street and handed out my CV. And like a few days later, next week, I fortunately got a call and asked, was asked to come for a trial day as a runner, which is an entry level role, as I mentioned before. And that's kind of how I started. Um, so freelancing never had crossed my mind, to be honest with you, at all. I suppose that's the great thing, actually, isn't it? Thinking about it now, as you, you mentioned, going in as a runner, working in-house gave you a chance to gain so much experience and learn from others totally i mean to be honest working as a runner you're exposed to the whole business so obviously i didn't obviously i'd done a lot of editing at university and even like whilst i was at sixth form um but working as a runner the benefit is you're, you're exposed to the whole business so you know you learn a bit about motion graphics like 
you'll be looking at people that do that. You're looking at people that do editing. You'll be looking at people that do um, high-end color grading or high-end, um, it's called online uh, editing or finishing, which is like these really expensive um, editing suites and visual suites. And you'll be learning about like, 3D and CGI because you'll be going up and down around the company and around the building and looking at the different areas of how the business actually works. So from that point of view, to be honest, a lot of runners might have come in after uni thinking, oh, they want to be an editor, like a lot of people do. And then they may end up of being uh, doing like 3D or something complete or even producing or something completely different. Mm. So how about when you finally did go freelance, how did you go about getting your first clients? I know you said you signed up for an agency, but... Yeah, so fortunately for me, prior to me being freelance, I had a few clients that I was doing ad hoc filming and directing for. And, you know, I built up a relationship over, like, I guess, 12 months prior to me leaving my uh, permanent employment. So that was one client I had. And then I knew at that point I had a reasonable amount of good quality work. And I, I'd kind of updated my website to kind of market myself and put myself out there. And then on top of that, I um, I was kind of people that I used to work with that maybe had left the company I was working with. I reached out to them, people that I know that work at other companies and I had good relationship with. So I contacted them. I said, you know, I'm freelance now. If anything comes up in due course, please uh, get in touch. And fortunately for me, actually, when I, I left the company I was at and then the following week, I was actually working in a job uh, with someone I used to work with. But I, the only reason I got that job is because I contacted him and told him that I'm going to be freelance. And he thought of me and I was literally working the following week. And that tied me over for the rest of December because I'd left to go freelancing, uh, freelance in, in mid-December. And I've worked throughout December with this client. So I was quite fortunate in that respect. And the following year, I, I had one of my previous clients that I was doing a bit of freelance work with. And we had like a 10, 12-day shoot where we were filming around uh, UK. So it kind of, I was really fortunate to start my freelance career on a high. And also, I think I started my freelance career at a time where inherently freelancers can be busy because December can be a time where permanent editors can be off on holiday and things like that. So I was I was I was fortunate, to be honest with you, that I had a good run at the beginning to boost my confidence. <laughs> <laughs> and then how did you capitalize on that run? How did it continue to grow? You know, I had I had a my first client was obviously, as I mentioned, someone I used to work with. The other client was an existing freelance client. And then I thought, OK, I need to market myself, obviously, and try and build my own relationships and try and do some hard work and do it. So I was looking at companies online thinking, oh, I, I've got similar kind of work. I could be a good fit. I was trying to reach out to them, like cold emails and things like that, showing them pieces of work that would align with their business. And to be honest, I got a, I got a few emails back from clients saying they'll be interested. And one one of the clients that um took me on was a kind of kept me busy throughout February you know and then kind of momentum kind of built it from there you know and there was I was I was doing like my own business development and I had as I mentioned before I went freelance I'd signed up to a creative recruitment agency I wasn't heavily reliant on them to get me all my work because I find that a little bit scary where I don't have any control with if I'm working or not so I like to do my own business development and even up until this day 89% of our work I think I find is like through direct relationships but you know the ad hoc time when you're you know you haven't got a booking i find creative recruitment agencies really helpful and during that time like after february for example they'd help me out and i'd got a few gigs working through their clientele so that's how it kind of developed to be honest with you and what's work like for you is it you know um working on something like you say for a month or is it a few days here a few days like how, how does it look for you 
So to be honest, Steve, it varies tremendously. Um, I would say, I've been freelancing, what, three and a half years, four years now. A lot of my bookings have been, like, say, a week or like two weeks, um, you know, sometimes even a little bit less. For the most part, obviously, COVID is a little a different topic, but for the most part, like, generally, I've been very consistent throughout the year. And I found year on year, my freelancing capacity and the level of bookings I've taken on has, has got busier and busier. Obviously, this year is slightly different because of, you know, COVID has yeah. affected a lot of uh, people. But generally, year on year, I've, I've I found myself to be busier and busier. With that said, though, last year, for the most of last year, I had a kind of a three-month rolling contract with one of my clients where I was literally there like permalance. And I was there three months and then they renew another contract for another three months. And it's just the way they kind of work. And this particular company, their, their model was essentially to have less permanent staff. And they're a massive company, but they would have more freelancers. So... That was one client, which was nice, where I was just there for the most of the year. The people are lovely. We get free breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, <laughs> that was that was really cool. You know, but obviously all, all good things come to an end. Obviously, they, their workflow changes, you know, things change from their point of view. They obviously, you know, have to maybe hire more permanent staff and things like that. But do it. with that said, as a freelancer, you always have to adapt. So like there's been some clients which, you know, I would say have taken up a good part of my revenue, but I've always dug deep and found different clients to replace if that other client say for example hires permanent editors or permanent in-house directors or shooters so you have to always be on top of business development and kind of make relationship with new clients i think it's really important yeah i was going to say that's the danger isn't it when you're in a long contract and you're feeling comfortable yeah you can forget to be putting yourself out there and equally you know you might put yourself out there and you get offered a job and you're like hmm, i've already got one <laughs> but yeah, yeah you've got to keep going with that said, a lot I had to, last year, like it was great being with one client for the most part of the year, but there was times where I was, um, a lot of my existing clients were reaching out to me and I was having to turn them down a lot of the time. But I, to be honest with you, I was always trying to keep an open dialogue with them and trying to show them some work I've been doing and things like that to try and keep me in their mind, yeah. you know, so they don't forget about me altogether. Is a lot of your work last minute bookings or do you tend to know what you're doing quite a long way in advance? I would say um, if it's a filming or directing job, I would be involved a little bit earlier. For example, in pre-production where you're like creating ideas and concepts. There might be an overarching idea, but you're kind of fleshing those out and creating a treatment and obviously shot lists and storyboards and things like that, where you're kind of heavily involved in the pre-production prior to even shooting. If it's an editing job, um, it depends. You know, there have been a lot of my jobs have been kind of, I would say last minute. Yeah, for sure. Other times, if it's a commercial, they may get you a little bit earlier, you know, because obviously they've worked with you before. They know you're a good fit for the job. But it, or it could be um, if I was working on like a mood film, they may just get me on last minute. They say we need a mood film editor to work over the weekend and into the week, maybe long hours and things like that. So but I would say yeah. there's a fair amount of my work, which, you know, you may get booked a week in advance or you may get booked like two days before, for example, Um but it's but generally speaking, it's uh, if you get used to that, generally, you know, you you can still be busy. Because that's the thing. I was just sitting here thinking, like, do you ever, you know, wake up one morning, you know, you go do your last day on the job, come home, wake up the next day, and think, huh, got nothing in the diary. On a day like that, what do you do? Generally, as I said, freelancing has been pretty steady. I've been fortunate in that respect, but. If I am off for a said period of time, I would like dedicate some time to, okay, let's reach out to new clients. Let's, there's things to do. Like, for example, during coronavirus period, um, 
I had I hadn't updated my showreel since I'd left for, to go freelance, and I've had I had a good body of work that I developed during you know the last three and a half years. But I'd said to myself at the beginning of March, you know, mid sorry mid to late March, I have to create a new showreel which is relevant to where I'm at right now. So that was the first thing I did in downtime, for example. The other thing I did, I'm like, okay, I've done loads of cool work recently, which um, I had the opportunity to, you know, I put on my website and things like that. So I thought, okay. And actually, in fact, with my website, I thought, you know what? Every year I kind of want to refresh the website a little bit. I want to change the template and things like that, kind of keep it interesting, visually interesting. So I thought, okay, that's another thing I can do in my downtime, which is productive and it's going to help me. So I, I kind of changed the website, added obviously more work to it too. So I try and like to have a to-do list and keep myself productive, especially in downtime and try and I'll reach out to, uh, like if, if I'm coming to an end of a book and I reach out to a certain list of my clients that I have. And so obviously I'm coming, um, I'm going to be available very soon. If you have anything coming up, please get in touch. Also send them, you know, relevant work that they may think will be a good fit as well. Mm. You know, I'm conscious of the fact that people could be listening to this years into the future. But I think it's interesting to consider um, how people have coped with the pandemic. And, you know, it's great to hear like you well, making doing all those jobs, which are always on our to do list, but we don't do. <laughs> but like, did did you feel OK doing it? Like, you know, given that you weren't able to film. I mean, to be honest, this show was. It was, it, it was going to be, uh, I think, a fairly good year. You know, up until, I'd say, mid-March, I was booked relatively um, frequently, pretty solidly. Um, and then mid-March, you know, just we we're obviously, everyone's watching the news and obviously things are going, getting worse and worse in the UK. Um, and then I think advertising just kind of stopped all of a sudden. And then for like, you know, from like kind of mid-March to the end of March, they, it was super quiet, obviously reached out to clients, but, you know, everyone was kind of in the same boat. April was the same situation. Um, and then fortunately, since May, work has picked up and I've been on some some jobs which have uh, kept me uh, busy up until this day. Did you like have a buffer of cash? Did you feel all right in that respect? Yeah, so I guess being in a limited company structure, you know, like it's, it's I guess it's different to sole trader where you're not really meant to just take all the money out, you know, so the money kind of stays in the business. So fortunately, because freelancing has been decent over the, the previous years, there's obviously some cash reserves in the business. So... I wasn't immediately worried, which is fortunately a nice position to be in. But at the same time, I didn't want to rest on my laurels and think, okay, you know, to yeah. burn through cash or whatever. So I was pushing. I was uh, trying to do small things that would, you know, tick off your to-do list. You know, small wins that make you feel better. Just little things you haven't done and yeah. just like little admin tasks. and Even like, for example, reaching out to five clients in a day, you know, just like find some clients that you think could be a good fit. Reach out to them. You may not get a response. You may do, but at least... At least you're doing your bit to help you and your cause. Yeah. I mean, you say it's obvious that like, you have reserves built up in your limited company, but, you know, you could take it all out. You could, you've had <laughs> three really good years every year. You could pay yourself a really good, you know, it's, um, I think it makes it easier to, to leave it in there, but you did the sensible thing. <laughs> That's I, I, what I'm saying. It's, not it's a sensible business thing. I think I was listening to my accountant because he said, okay, what do you need? I'm like, okay, I need this. And he said, okay, unless you want to, you know, pay additional tax, which you, and you're not necessarily going to spend the money right now, then, you know, it was better to leave it. And then when you do, to be honest, this has been a blessing in disguise because obviously now it's, it's obviously, I've never been, I've never not worked for this period of time. In the whole three and a half years of freelancing, I've never been off for a month consistently. Might have been off for a week or like, you know, two weeks or something here or there. So it's been a new experience in that respect. 
So it's good just to, that there was money in the business where you have that little buffer and that little bit of peace of mind. With yeah. that said, when I started freelancing, prior to me freelancing even, I'd saved up six months, uh, you know, expenses and bills and rent and whatever, whatever have you, just to have that buffer, which I recommend to any potential uh, people that want to freelance in the future. It's good to have a good amount of, you know, cash reserves that can lend you during the tough times. Yeah. So you have an accountant. Do you work with anybody else within your business? I've got a lot of my, a lot of my clients, obviously I'm freelancing as a director or editor, but there's certain clients that I've worked with and, and done, which has kind of been an end-to-end process where I'm basically managing the shoot. You know, I'm, I'm directing, I'm filming, I'm editing. I'm, I'm not necessarily doing all those tasks, but maybe in those kind of jobs, I'll be hiring like a camera assistant. I'll be hiring like a runner. Um, Editing-wise, I kind of look after a lot of it, but then I may hire a motion graphics person or someone to do some titling or just something like that. So in those kind of jobs, I, I definitely hire additional crew. And obviously I would budget it uh, for that accordingly. Um, in terms of running my business, obviously I have my accountant, but other, otherwise I kind of look after my um, my invoices or when invoices are due to be paid and, and things of that nature, you know. I haven't got a bookkeeper or anything like that, but I reach out to my accountant often. I, I have telephone calls with him and if there's any kind of niggling questions or anything, I'm, I kind of, I'll just reach out to him and he's, he's been really helpful. Like, How did it feel the first time that you decided to, you know, presumably somebody approached you with a job mm-hmm. and it was bigger than just you know can you come and direct this can you film this you they needed the whole package they needed a production company that you kind of look like mm-hmm. as palmer pictures but actually it's just you like mm-hmm. how did you feel that first time taking on that job and the responsibility of, of of finding the team and paying for team and pricing that whole thing i mean to be honest with you, i mean when i was permanent obviously i wasn't doing all those things right but say if i was directing on the shoot i would I was always interested in the financial side and the running of business. So like even producers I work with, I kind of ask questions just to kind of understand how that works and how the way budgeting works and things like that. So from from that knowledge I kind of gained during permanent employment, I kind of understood, okay, I need a profit margin, right? I need to obviously pay this freelancer, but I, obviously I, wanna, I need to put a little margin on top of that. Even for my services, if I was charging myself as a freelancer, I need to put a little bit on top. And I kind of understood the resources involved in, in managing a shoot in terms of how many crew we need, uh, how many editing days I'm, I'm going to guesstimate we're going to take, a little bit of contingency, obviously food, travel, things like that. Some people uh, run away from the financial side of it, especially if you're not from a producing side, if you're from more like a just a creative side, I would say. But for me, I kind of enjoy that side a little bit. That is good. Yeah, you learned it and you, you kind of embraced it. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say obviously I'm experienced enough to do like a shoot with 20 people you know like a a massive full-scale shoot (laughs) but like a shoot with a small crew of three to five people I I, I'm confident enough to manage it and understand the risk assessments and the the different things that we need like permissions and obviously insurance and things of that nature yeah insurance must be quite a thing for you yeah I mean you have to have insurance you have to have risk assessments uh you know obviously contingency as well because you don't want to go over budget and then be out of pocket as well on a shoot so these things are all super important and do you have like a, a set contract that you use or? Yeah. So, I mean, we have like a contract and a, a scope of work, you know, which I send out. So I, I don't like to slap dash things. I like to do, I try and like to do things properly, you know, if that makes sense. So I, I, invoicing is a, is a given, but like prior to that, you know, having everything in writing, having a contract where this is the payment structure, you know, you pay 20, say 25% up front and then you pay, you know, 25% before the shoot kicks off, for example, and the remainder on completion or the first edit or wherever it may be. But I like to have all those things in place and I like to have, be very transparent with clients regarding that. 
And also I like to do a proposal as well, as opposed to just an estimate. I like to do like a little proposal and a little pitch almost, if you have it. And so you started that way from, from like day one? Yeah, I mean, I'm the kind of person I just, I don't like to take shortcuts. Out. If I'm going to do something, I want to try and do it properly to the best of my ability that I know of. So, I mean, just kind of research things online and given my knowledge from, from you know, previous employment and things like that, I just, I don't want to take shortcuts. If I'm going to try and do this, I want to try and manage it like a real business. And these things are really important to, to get into place. So that's awesome from a business side of things. How are you from a, a life side of things? How's like your work-life balance? So um, generally working normal hours, like I say, nine to six. Uh, but actually in, in this uh, period of, during the coronavirus, there was, there was a client I was working with and we were working really long hours. We were working to about 11 o'clock, sometimes 12 o'clock. Um, but I charge for that. So I, if you're freelancer listening and if you're working, I'd say, you know, have a little buffer where you might give 30 minutes for free, for example. But anything after that, you should ha- kind of have it in place beforehand that these are your hours for your day rate. And thereafter, you will charge X amount, either per hour or whatever it may be. That way, you know, you're covered and they're not expecting you to work for free. But at the same time, I'm happy to go the extra mile if it means the client is going to win the pitch or they're on a tight deadline. And I understand that, you know, but you have to respect it from a business point of view as well. You're, you're working too. So you should charge if you're working, especially long hours. But prior to lockdown, you know, I was enjoying going cinema, eating out, obviously socializing with friends a lot more. But now it's just, you know, there's not that many things we can do. So mainly I've been kind of, Going for a lot of walks, to be honest with you, and reading actually. And oh yeah, me too. Yeah, reading and meditation in the morning. But there's ten minutes a day, which I've been doing for a while. Nice. You mentioned like not having more than a month off, or maybe a week or two here and there. Does that mean you get to take holidays, as in proper holidays? Um, F- forgetting the whole coronavirus thing, <laughs> like in general. I've been fairly consistent the last three and a half years of freelancing, but I always take holiday every year. So like last year, my partner and I we went to Santorini. And year before, I went to Canada and I went to um, Corsica, which is an island in France. So every year, regardless, I would always say, OK, this month in July or this this January or whatever, maybe I'm, I'm going to go and hold it regardless of how busy work is. And I think it's important to um, rejuvenate and recuperate and take some time off because, you know, obviously earning money is good, but you need time to enjoy and to unwind. And as a creative, you need time to creatively reset. I would say. So I would say always take time off and whether it's a staycation or you're going abroad. And if you're freelancing, you're worried about obviously cash flow and things like that. I would say if you're worried about that, but you still want to go on holiday, I would say take a holiday when you would inherently be quiet. So for example, my industry, January could be a quiet month, you know, the beginning of January. So that could be a perfect time for you to go to a warm, warm country, you know, Uh, that way you're not losing out too much revenue because inherently there wouldn't be that much work in the first place. And when you're away, do you properly manage to switch off? Oh, totally. I just enjoy myself. Just have a cocktail on the beach or just <laughs> jet jet ski or whatever, you know, if it's somewhere warm anyway, just just relax. Yeah, totally, totally, totally relax. And how important, like when it comes to marketing your business, like what would you say are the main things that you do? Being a director and editor, it's, it's obviously all video work. So I keep my website up to date. I upload videos on Vimeo and then I can embed it into my website. Uh, from a website point of view, I make it in Squarespace, which I, I've been use, using for over five years, I think. I uh, highly recommend it. But a lot, often my marketing is, a lot of the time, I point clients to my website. So I would 
email them more often than not, like prospective clients or existing clients. I'll reach out to them on email. Uh, now and again, if you've got someone you used to work with or, or someone that you think may be a good fit working with, also LinkedIn is really powerful. But I don't get that much work from my LinkedIn, I would say. But I know it's a powerful, powerful tool. But I have got some work from there. And also, obviously, as you work and people move on, though you still have them on LinkedIn. So it's always good to kind of reintroduce yourself to potential clients, you know. So LinkedIn is really good in that respect because, you know, you're, you know, as you get older and as you work more, your, your LinkedIn followers and connections are going to grow. So, mm. uh, so those are the kind of tools I, I use for marketing. Obviously, when you're filming, you're out and about. But where are you based normally? Like, do you just stick at home or do you have like an office somewhere? Obviously, filming, well, obviously on location, whether that's an outdoor shoot or a studio or, you know, a client's office or wherever it may be. But when I'm editing, because I work with a lot of advertising and, and those kind of clients, they often have their own editing facilities in-house. So they would obviously hire me to come in-house most of the time. So I would say, actually, but... I'm probably working in-house with clients about 90% of the time. I actually rarely work from home. So for me, being home during lockdown, has been quite a strange experience editing at home all the time. I'm not sure if I'm 100% used to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, so actually that means as well, like often a problem for freelancers is isolation, but actually presumably, you know, going into places, that, that's not been an issue for you. I, I love going into places. So for me, ed, I, I don't mind editing at home because I've saved obviously on travel time and, and things like that because obviously working in the city is going to take me a little bit longer to get into. But yeah, just working from home is something I'm not used to, you know, at all. <laughs> As opposed to a lot of freelancers, I imagine most of the time they are working from home and they're not necessarily in client offices. But I'm kind of the other way because my clients often want to come in and collaborate with other creatives or like a creative director or an art director or copywriter or whatever it may be or producers of course um so yeah so they, they kind of expect me to come in most of the time that does have an advantage as well i guess in strengthening those relationships where those people go off to other places and they may well think to hire you in the future possibly yeah it's, it's good. i guess it's nice to put a face to the name and you know have that face-to-face -face interaction i also find the whole process of editing and you know video approval is a little bit quicker because you know instead of you exporting something to vimeo and then sharing it with the producer for example they can watch it on your screen so actually can we just change these things before we send an export so that workflow in that respect is a little bit quicker doing it face to face but you know now with technology you know things are still n not slow you know they're still fairly quick to to get things up online and share your reviews with your clients what would you say has been the biggest challenge to you being freelance the biggest challenge for me, really, I mean, even though I've been fairly consistent in my career, I'd say the biggest challenge is, is still always like the uncertainty of where, where you're going to be working next, you know. And that kind of diminishes a little bit as you get more experience in your freelancing career. But it's still obviously, it is a feast and famine environment, I would say, you know, because obviously a client will hire you for a set period of time and then obviously then you won't be working with them and then you've got to find the next gig you know and obviously in my line of work a lot of my stuff is short form meaning the gigs are like a week or two or you know it could be three four days for example but I always managed to fill a lot of those gaps but I find that is probably the biggest challenge I would say. Now I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what do you have for me Chirac? Okay uh, first one I used to have lovebirds and one of them passed away. 
Not long after, the other one passed away of a broken heart. Oh. Next one. I have had two books published and I'm currently writing my third. Ooh. Third one. I've done a skydive overlooking the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. Okay. There's a couple of obvious places to start. Let's start with the lovebirds. Mm-hmm. What what were their names? Their names? I, um, I actually can't remember. You know that. Oh, how old were you when you had them? I was quite young. I was quite young. What colour were they? They were like red and like little specks of yellow. Your next one was, you've written two books. Are, are these fiction or non-fiction? These are freelance books. What were they called? What was the first and the second one called? <laughs> the first one was called My Journey. And the second one? second one was called Next Steps. So I'm going to say the Great Barrier Reef is true. I don't see, that just seems like, sure, you know, you're clearly a man who likes to travel. Why, why would you not do that if you went to Australia? So, lovebirds or books? And you seem so busy with your work. I'm not quite sure when you've written the books. And yet, I'll be honest with you, if the lovebirds is true, you did a great job of seeming like a bad liar about it. <laughs> It felt like it wasn't true. And yet part of me can't figure out why you would make that <laughs> up. I think you would remember their names for a start. So I'm saying the lovebirds is a lie. So, yeah, skydiving, correct? Um, lovebirds is true. I actually can't remember the name. <sighs> no! So it's just because you've got a rubbish memory. Actually, I've got a good memory, but I just I was very young. And to be honest, I should I'm going to call family and actually... Ask their names. That was very. Uh, it wasn't necessarily my pets. Man, so the books. Are the, oh, very good. Yeah, the books. Just because I thought I'd asked you so quickly what their names were that you were such a bad liar that you couldn't think, but actually you simply didn't care enough as a child <laughs> to discover who you lived with. <laughs> right now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Um, I would say to procrastinate less. Um, get a website up and running like early in your career, you know, start putting things up there. And obviously as you're developing, you know, you might not have the best body of work, but what I, what I wish I'd done more of was kind of create the kind of work that I wanted to do working with other clients. So kind of create my own films, my own little documentaries, my own, more of that stuff. I did create a bit of that, but I wish I'd done a little more of that. And now, obviously, it's more accessible than ever. You know, a lot of people, the barriers of entry, picking up a camera or a laptop with uh, an editing, editing software is, you know, it's getting cheaper and cheaper in some respects. So I so said those things, you know, are, are things that, you know, would have helped me earlier on in my career. Chirag, it's been really great to speak to you. I'm so glad it's going so well for you as well. A uh, mix of that creative and loving the business as well, by the sounds of it. Go to beingfreelance.com. As with all of our guests, there are links through so that you can take a look at Chirag's work and uh, connect with him on social or you know wherever you might be able to find him. That's at beingfreelance.com. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the community. Uh, Click through on that. Join freelancers from around the world. There's also the other podcast that I do for freelance parents. It's called Doing It For The Kids. So search for that. If you've already got your podcast app out while you're listening to this, search for Doing It For The Kids. Hit subscribe there as well, and I'll see you over there. Um, But for now, Chirag, thank you so much, and all the best being freelance. Thank you very much, Steve. It was great speaking to you. 